Hello and welcome to Impressionable with me, Becky Lee. This is the podcast that seeks to uncover all the ways in which we've been shaped by the world. This week, I'm joined by the incredible Isabel Johnny Friend, who is a writer, journalist and activist. We speak all about her life living with cystic fibrosis and about disability more broadly, as well as her activism and what you can do to help. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. As always, please rate it five stars and share it with everyone. And apart from that, enjoy the episode and I will see you in two weeks time. Bye. Hello and welcome to Impressionable, the podcast where we delve into the ways in which the world has influenced us and contemplate the legacies we hope to leave behind. This week, I'm joined by Isabel Johnny Friend. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, have you been up to anything nice recently? Um, just kind of getting into the swing of things, like after Christmas and New Year, um, which has been a bit slow. I'm just like taking my time. <laughs> Yeah, I always think the start of the year is like the buffering season. We're warming up for the rest of the year. But anyway, that's not why we're here today. Um, and for those that don't know you, could you give us a little intro to who you are and what you get up to? Yeah, sure. So I am a multimedia journalist, mainly writing on health, climate, human rights and culture. But I'm also a campaigner or what we call like patient leader for an organization called Just Treatment, which seeks to put patients and the NHS before profit. And specifically, what I do within my role there is to raise awareness about issues that we're obviously like fighting about. And um, that recently has been to make sure that essential medications and like the COVID vaccine is distributed globally so Mm -hmm. that um everyone gets access to medication which can save their lives um and I'm also disabled so I guess a lot of my activism and my work centers around living with cystic fibrosis and mental health problems so all stuff that we're going to chat about today and I can't wait for you to talk about your work more um but I wanted to ask you like I ask everyone is there something that's been making an impression on you recently this question is so interesting because I also have like a terrible memory so if something's making an impression on me I'm like oh yeah cool and then I'll forget I think (laughs) I think for me probably something that has like made an impression and I don't know if this counts but like it might be a stretch but um, like realizing how addicted or I, I don't know if that's the right word like how dependent I was on social media um and like Mm. actually sort of thinking about reducing how much I'm on it and I thought it would be quite difficult because I've like tried in the past to like not go on it for a bit and I'm just like I'll say I'm not going on it and then literally the next second I'll be back on Insta like as a habit it's like really not good and I could just feel after spending time scrolling on on whatever like TikTok, Twitter, Insta that I I just felt really low afterwards and really drained and I just was starting to think that that's not good like I obviously shouldn't be feeling like that every time I use it and also I just felt really like tired and I don't know obviously it's also a massive waste of time like I'm not gaining anything from it and I'm not like not that you always have to be gaining things but like 
I wasn't even being present in my own life, I guess, which I know that people say these things all the time. We all know that like social media is bad or not bad, but can be can be bad. But I just got fed up with it and I deleted all the apps off my phone and I, I have felt better. Like sometimes I'll go on it on my laptop and like I do still feel awful. So I think that reducing that has been has made an impression. I don't know if that really counts, but it's made an impression. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely counts. Um, and and have felt exactly the same as you. Um, but because of my work, it's like I can't get away from it. It's a bloody nightmare. Um, so it's good that you have the luxury of getting off it in some way. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, obviously, for being like a journalist and a campaigner, I obviously need to go on it as well. I just try and like limit it. So like, I'm only on it, you know, during the times I'm working and I do it on my laptop. So try and just have like my phone is like, a, not that kind of space so that in the evenings, I'm not just like, aimlessly scrolling. Um, because it is really hard. I also found that it was making me work 24 seven, because I'd just be like, let me just check my work account or like reply to this dm and it was like that's unhealthy as well so i think that for just like my general (laughs) mental well-being i just needed to make a change yeah i know um and i don't know about you but like i find that well especially now that everyone everyone seems to be an influencer or like a multi-hyphenate person online i'm so bad at comparing myself to people as well like that's where the true source of my misery comes from Oh my gosh, 100%. I just see what other people are achieving. And even if it's not something that I'd ever consider doing or ever want to do, I'm still like, oh, well, they're younger than me or they're just, they're my age or even just a bit older and look what they've done. Even if it's nothing close to what I want to do, it's really difficult to, because I guess, like we all know, most of the time social media is just like a reel of highlights. But it's, it's so easy to forget that and to just think, oh my gosh, these people seem to so effortlessly do all this stuff. And it's good to take a step back, I guess. Oh, 100%. Um, but let's talk about some of your achievements because obviously you are a fabulous journalist. I found you because of your work. Um, what kind of got you first into writing and how come you started writing about your disability as well? I think it came from not knowing much about my disability. I I was quite sheltered from the realities of having cystic fibrosis as a, like a child. Um, And I think as I became a teenager, I was feeling quite lonely in my experiences and maybe a bit isolated in what I was going through. So I remember like going on YouTube and looking up CF and seeing if anyone had made a vlog or anything and like, a few people had and it's when I watched those videos I just felt so much relief and I couldn't stop watching and trying to find everything I could about it because I suddenly felt that I'm not alone other people get it they're going through it and I've I've seen them now and then I just started you know I made a tumblr I reached out to people on twitter insta and made friends with people with cf and then I kind of thought well the thing I really want is like candid discussions about living with CF from people who live with it rather than like a lot of medical information and facts that is mainly what you find online. And so 
I decided that I wanted to talk about my life with CF and the way I felt comfortable doing that at the time was through writing. So I made a blog and that was just amazing for me. I felt really good after writing. I felt like I was getting my thoughts out and I knew it was connecting with people as well. And I mean, I don't know how much, but I know other people with CF were reading it and messaging me and that felt really nice to, you know, make new friends. Um, and yeah, and then I guess I stopped doing that because life got quite hectic. And then I, re- I remember at uni, I was thinking about it and I thought, why don't I start a new blog? Because the old one was a bit tragic. <laughs> and like, when I look back on it, it's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> so I was like, I need to make a new one that's better. And I knew that I liked writing and wanted a job in the media. So I thought, let me do another blog. And then from there, it was the same thing. I want to help people with CF and give them tips on how to get through high school or how to settle in at uni and how to have open honest conversations with people because there are so many struggles with CF that you don't or I guess with any disability Mm. or anything that you don't really know about unless you're hearing from people who've been through it and I could hear from doctors and nurses about their advice but it would never be the same as hearing from somebody else with CF so that was what I was doing and I was getting good feedback I had like nurses telling me they were giving showing my blog to other patients and things so that felt like really good and then I just carried on I thought like I like writing so I worked at the uni online mag and then I was doing like student radio and then that's how it kind of led me to taking it as a like profession that's amazing. I love how you fell into it quite naturally. And also it came from doing something that you love to do and that was helping people. Because that's such a nice way to get into a career in the first place. And before I ask you another question, I just wanted to, for those people that were listening that doesn't know what, what cystic fibrosis is and how it affects your life, can you just give a bit of background on that? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I should have said that as like my number at the start of this podcast. So I apologize. Um, yeah, so cystic fibrosis is a life threatening, life shortening, chronic condition that affects the lungs and digestive system. It basically clogs them with thick, sticky mucus and um, can lead to fatal lung damage, or there can be other problems. So for me, I also suffer from pancreatitis. Um, which is a big challenge causes me a lot of pain and for me I mean it's very different everyone with CF will have different symptoms different medication routines but for me it's generally four hours of medication each day with like tablets inhaled medicines physiotherapy um, just a whole range of things I have to do Um, and yeah I mean that's like a little bit of an insight into it I mean it's insane because like that obviously shapes the way that you're able to, you know, engage in so many different things like your work. How how have you found, especially you probably can share experiences that other people have in your position. How have you found like getting in paid employment? Is Has that been a difficulty? Yeah, really difficult. I had, I have always struggled with negative attitudes towards how my disability affects me. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but even starting in primary school people wrote me off teachers were like you'll never achieve anything but I guess within the education system maybe it was not easier but because I had to be there I guess 
that that was getting me through it because you know you have to be in school and so then although there was a lot of people telling me I wouldn't be able to do anything you know at least I had a place and that was like a routine almost like a path that I would be on for for a period of time Mm. and then I went to uni and then I guess when I started thinking about writing and it is a very competitive industry and you often have to work quite irregular hours and it can be super intense so I think initially there was a bit of hesitancy between with people in my life being like are you sure this is what you want to do but I was sure it it was what I wanted to do so I think that drove me but then I suddenly you know and very abruptly realized that people will not want me on a long-term basis because of my disability and it's not something I can hide from especially now I've written so much about it it's not even something you know if I leave it off um, a job application or whatever that's fine but they'll still be able to find it by looking at my my portfolio and so that does make Mm. things difficult and you know I sometimes feel like am I just you know being given these temporary opportunities because you want to have you know a mixed race disabled woman as part of your organization but not properly just temporarily and it's difficult though with discrimination towards disability because it's really hard to prove especially in an employment sense because nobody's going to outright say we don't want you because of your cf and if they did say that i'll sue them it's illegal they can't do that but it's more subtle and it kind of you know they'll say you're amazing you're such a good writer you know I've had people tell me that I'm like the best person they've had for ages in that department and then they won't keep me on and it doesn't make sense because other people get kept on and then it's like if I really was the best you'd keep me so is is it my disability is that why you don't want me or am I not good enough and you never really know the answer and that does make things really difficult. And, and it's not just within the media. The, you know, employment for disabled people is so low. And, you know, it's so difficult to navigate because people have their prejudice, their misconceptions about it. And so they have their idea of what your life is like when they don't even know you. Even if your CV is amazing it doesn't matter. They're not looking at that. They're looking straight at disability and how that's a burden to them. You know, I've heard people say in the industry that, you know, I would never want to hire a disabled person. And when you hear those narratives and you've been working in the place for so long and have been struggling so much to get opportunities, despite your experience, you start to just realise that um it's just very disheartening I guess yeah honestly I'm speechless that is just so shit like that is beyond like a stat from scope which kind of highlights this is that disabled people are four times as likely to be unemployed as others but they apply for 60% more jobs and so that kind of just really highlights the problem and that things have to change but it's so difficult and I don't think people really realize or see see it as a necessity that there needs to be a change because for employers I guess it suits them to not have the extra challenges that maybe a disabled person might throw in 
it's such a big barrier, but it doesn't really get spoken about very often. And it's really hard to navigate because there's not, mm. you know, like I said before, I wanted to find community with people with CF, but the experience of people in the exact same industry I'm in at the exact same position who also have CF, like that's so rare. I've not found someone, I'm sure there is, but they're they're only going to understand what it is like and what I'm going through because, you know, other disabled people obviously will, but we all have such different, will have different needs and different experiences navigating different spaces and so it's not there's not a solution that you can just give to everybody and I think that rather than thinking of it as okay you know we've put in a lift we've put in a ramp we're good it's like having conversations with individual people that go for a job and saying what could we do to make it easy for you and honestly more often than not the measures that they can make don't even cost them anything. They're fr- they won't cost them anything. It's just being flexible, having, you know, maybe it's quiet spaces or maybe it's, you know, letting somebody work from home a bit more often. Those kind of adjustments don't cost a company anything. But I think there's this idea that it costs thousands to accommodate all the needs and get the equipment and the tech. And that's just not true. And it's like, I don't know who the, who these people are speaking to to get this information because they're not listening to disabled people no and also like they're missing out on amazing talent by not adapting it doesn't make sense no I mean it doesn't make sense but then I guess the media is really not very diverse anyway and so sometimes it can feel Mm. like when will things change will they change because you know it's not just disability it's race it's gender it's everything that it needs to diversify in the media and so there are so many things that need to change yeah 100% I want to talk about this in a slightly wider context and um, I'm going to quote you here so hope you don't get embarrassed um but you wrote that as disabled people we have been living in a we as in you have been living in a cost of living crisis for years um, and I think you kind of like leads on to this question about that the I guess the something that's not spoken about enough is the links between disability and poverty yeah definitely and I think especially recently with increasing costs and energy and, and bills disabled people are just getting forgotten over and over again and you know there are such high rates of unemployment, like I said earlier, and life cost, this is just an average number, but life costs £583 more for disabled people. And that, you know, needs to take into account higher energy bills for people that need more heating or electricity for equipment, or purchasing the equipment, getting to hospital appointments, things like that, that that we have to factor into daily life that other people might not even consider. And then, you know, on top of that, there's the benefit system, which is so deeply flawed. A lot of people will have the benefits cut or taken away or they won't get them when they're deserving of them. And the system for benefits is so fucked up. It's so deeply flawed. And most of the people that need money won't get it. 
and those that do you know you're always worried will it get taken away when you go for the assessment it's they can be cut over the most ridiculous things like they'll write in the reason why you weren't you know given benefits that are your hair was brushed so you don't need them Mm. and they make such leaps to try and take this money away from people and the money doesn't even scratch the surface the money even the most amount of money that you can get is not enough to live on and it's so ridiculous and it just kind of shows that in society our lives just aren't seen as worthy because we're not given the respect that we deserve we have to fight so hard for our voices to be heard and even then they're ignored and you know a lot of people are now having to worry about if they can take their medication or whether they can afford to go for a hospital checkup which is only going to lead to things getting worse and putting more more and more disabled people into poverty and illness and putting more strain on the NHS which is already at breaking point and or I mean it's that's a whole other issue but it's all these systems interlink so much that it's like Mm. it feels like you're in you're trapped Mm. and you just can't get out and things are getting worse and worse and worse and life just seems so bleak but yet no one really cares It, it feels like nobody really cares do you um I'm just thinking like governmentally like is there any representation yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not the only one to talk about these problems. I'm not going to be the last. There are people out there mm. fighting, but our voices get drowned out by all the other things going on. And there are so many causes at the moment. I'm not saying that we're a cause. That was completely the wrong w- word. There are so many things going on at the moment that life just seems so bleak, so, so bleak and hopeless that Mm. it can be so hard even if there's one person that is fighting about something it just feels like this is great but what is actually going to change is anything going to change we've been living like this for years we've been living in under austerity for so long the situation has only gotten worse for disabled people so why now would anything change surely you know especially after the pandemic seeing how disabled people were vilified and treated and disregarded why now would there suddenly be a change if anything it feels like things might just continue to get worse and that's terrifying yeah I mean you've you've written a lot about the pandemic and how initially there was this collective response of protection especially for people that were vulnerable and we kind of saw that disentangle and then people started going out again and were less you know caring and Do you want to talk a bit about how you found your experience in the pandemic? Yeah, definitely. The pandemic was such a difficult and strange time for everybody. But being disabled and being told from the start, you're clinically extremely vulnerable. So you can't leave your house. You can open the window. That's it. And the thing is, I've lived my life very aware of um viruses of bugs of colds flus whatever because they lead me to go into hospital they give me lung damage so I can't take these things lightly so even before lockdown was even 
something people were considering, I was already taking steps to make my life safer. So when we did go into lockdown, I was sort of ready for it. And initially there was a really positive response. There were people saying, how can we help the vulnerable in our society, like in our communities? Is there anything we can do? Are there food parcels that we can give to them? Can we collect their medicine? Let's just have phone call check-ins. I remember that was a thing that they were starting to set up. And it felt like finally people are going to get what it's like to have to live like this all the time because they're going to have to live like it and they're going to see and they're going to have sympathy for it. But it very quickly turned, very quickly actually, a lot faster than I thought it would, into a narrative that was people were very anti-lockdown, were anti, you know, they didn't, you know, there was a lot of scepticism around COVID. And understandably, people were fed up of lockdown and it was a very difficult time for people being away from family, being able to do things, just having general, like, freedom. It was challenging and I completely empathize with that and understand I think it was just that there was a turn on how the vulnerable people in society were treated it was suddenly like why are we locking down for these people why don't they just stay at home forever and we'll go out and live our lives because that seems fair and you know they're gonna die anyway like a lot of people said to me well you're gonna die anyway like quite soon so why should we care? Why should we stop our lives? Or they were saying, you know, just go out. Why, no, you know, just go out and do things. Why what, live your life like that? Because they don't understand the, the things that can happen to me if I do get ill. And it became very scary, actually, because I mm. felt I can't go outside now because people are going to have these such strong opinions and I know it was very online focused and I think out in the real world things are definitely toned down but on social media it gave me this impression of the world that was so unsafe that I couldn't go out because if I wore a mask in public people would yell abuse at me because people have yelled abuse at me in the past for using disabled services so I thought well people really have strong opinions on wearing masks so maybe I'm gonna experience some abuse for wearing one and I was quite nervous about it and I and I shielded for two years and it was so difficult but the hardest part was just hearing the narratives that people were coming out with and realizing that vulnerable people were not being considered and suddenly it doesn't matter what mm. happens to us nobody's backing us nobody's fighting our corner we're seen as a burden on society we're it was horrible really really horrible and that mindset is still very much there in society you know but and I am getting back and doing more things now but I'm still scared to get covid but people don't understand that. They think, oh, like, get over it. It was, like, ages ago now. Like, move on. I wish I could move on. Like, I wish I could move on from CF. Trust me. But I can't. Mm. And what choice do I have? And, yeah, that was really difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. And 
Something that struck me when you spoke then was kind of how in the past I kind of conceptualised the narrative towards disabled people as being like quite caring, maybe sometimes very wrongly infantilizing. But in this circumstance, it just seemed like deep, like it was just like demonizing language, like just completely inappropriate. Yeah, definitely. But that's kind of the thing with narratives around disabled people. There's, we can never just be normal people like everybody else. Normal, I don't know, that's not a great word, but we can never just be be like everybody mm-hmm. else. And there are two main narratives that always come out. And it's either that we're like children, that we get treated like children who've won a medal at school. That's the kind of patronising tone people speak to us with. And it's not nice to be treated like that, but you think you should be lucky because people are being what they think is nice. Or the other narrative is that we're treated like villains and we're demonised, like you said, and we're looked at as benefit scroungers and a burden on society. And so trying to balance these two very false narratives on what it is like to be disabled, because it's like, I don't need to be treated like a child. I'm independent. I can do things for myself. I have my own thoughts but then if I have all that then why they think why do you need help then you're fine you know if I'm not gonna patronize you and pity you then what's the point then you're fine you don't need help get on with it and it's so strange but it's so ingrained into everything and it's exhausting because what are you meant to say you can't please everyone you either need to be the quiet good disabled person don't say anything allow people to tell you that you're inspirational for literally doing nothing or you get people yelling abuse at you what what do you accept because you almost have to pick one or you're going to get both I I even think about like the word disabled is such a strange term because like people are abled they just need adjustments it's not like someone's not able to do something like it doesn't make sense the way that it's semantically spoken about too yeah no definitely it is like a word that I find it hard to grapple with because I agree with you that in a lot of circumstances it is just society needing to make adjustments very minor adjustments really to allow people to navigate their lives yeah um but it's also a word I really feel for me is important to like own who I am because I think that yeah until those changes are made then I need to still have that use that word because society isn't treating us equally or fairly and so I am disabled but I shouldn't be yeah I get you that makes sense. Um, I wanna I wanna talk a bit about um your activism and obviously speak a bit about the pandemic and I kind of kept kept tabs on the unequal distribution of vaccines. And I think that doesn't just happen with vaccine medication. I think that you you will know a lot more about this and I hope that you can speak well uh, no, you'll be able to speak well on this. Um about how unfair distribution of medic medication can be throughout the world. Yeah, I mean, it's an issue that we've kind of been dealing with for a very long time. I was 
campaigning around this before COVID. But when COVID happened, like a lot of things, I thought, wow, this is like a really big example of how things need to change. And it will help make things change because every single person is affected by COVID right now. So every single person will need the, the vaccine. Obviously, not everyone's had it, but everyone should get equal and fair access to it because it's affecting everyone. And that didn't happen. And it was, I shouldn't have been shocked, but I was because I thought the people, you know, in charge of Big Pharma, the ones that are making these profits, even they are affected by COVID. So can they not understand the humanity side of it? That if you have something that could help everyone, why would you hoard that? Why would you be against sharing that just to make profit? And I think something that maybe isn't widely acknowledged is that a lot of the money that goes into the research and development is publicly funded. So then the vast profits that they're making, they might claim that it goes into developing future drugs, but that's not true. And the profits that they make, it's unfathomable amounts of money that they should not be having. And it's purely putting their profits before people's lives. And there's this cystic fibrosis drug, which we now have in the UK, um, called, or can be, and there's another one called Trichafta. And it took a five-year fight for it to be available in the UK because Vertex had a really high price on it and the NHS couldn't afford it. Now, other countries around the world, especially in the global south, don't have access to it. And children are literally dying and this medication could help them but big pharma want to make money so they don't care and this is not unique to covid vaccines it's not unique to cystic fibrosis drugs it is with most medications if not all of them it is purely based on making profit at the sacri- at the sacrifice of people dying and people suffering and I don't understand how you can have a drug that could literally save somebody's life but not give it to them. It's so evil. I can't even... It's so hard to wrap my head around because it makes me so angry. It makes me sick because it's just... It's just horrible. I don't understand how people can put money before someone's life. I don't even understand at all. And it's so hard campaigning around it because you hear such awful things and you see you know and it's so difficult and there are stories of hope obviously but things aren't changing because governments are allowing big pharma to have so much say so much power and control that they just get away with it and that they come out looking like the heroes because they've developed a drug so they look like they've saved people or that they've you know, changed lives, but they haven't, because if that was true, why aren't they giving it to everybody? You know, and it's just so, so deeply unfair and horrific. Yeah, that's completely apparent and almost like a political tool for manipulation and they're staking people's lives on it, you know? Completely. And I find it so awful you know even on a a personal level with getting the covid vaccine getting it months and months before my family in india and you know my elderly relatives they should have had it 
before me or at the same time as me at least yeah they didn't get it for ages and it was it was so upsetting I almost didn't want mine because I was like I just you know why should I be having it before then it's so unfair and it was so upsetting and it was honestly really really horrific and obviously I did have mine because you know me not having mine wasn't going to get it to them any quicker that's not how it works but it was just so difficult and even now with these cf medications and being and and having access to them it's 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 so just horrific i i I use that word so many times but i can't even express how horrible it feels to know that i have access to it when other people don't why do i have access to it why why that's so unfair I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm completely speechless and um, I kind of wanted to ask you a bit, if you didn't mind sharing, like how that intersects with your mental health as well. I mean, I suffer from quite a lot of different mental health problems. I have um, anxiety, depression, OCD and PTSD from a range of things to do with health, to do with past, like a lot of grief and things like that. Mm. So it's very difficult but mm. these things really do impact my mental health a lot. But I think when it's something to do with an issue that affects a lot of people, I f- feel like I channel the anger and the upset into writing about it or talking about it or yeah, speaking at events, raising awareness. I think that yeah, those it does impact my mental health a lot and it makes me feel very guilty. But I think I try to channel that into a way that maybe we'll be able to help people get access to things or get treated more fairly in society, whatever that is. And obviously, you know, I'm not changing great things. I'm just part of a big, big system of great, amazing people trying to also do their little bit part. And, you know, I'm not the first one to be talking about these issues. I'm not the last. But I think that if I can just help even a little, that's that's great. And maybe it will lead to me being able to help more. Where would you direct people to if they wanted to get involved and take action? So, I mean, if you wanted to get involved through the organisation that I work with, we're called Just Treatment. And so I think all our socials are just Just Treatment. Um, And they have, you know, you you can donate if you want, or you can just um, put your name on different campaigns and pledge your support and that's completely free you can sign up as a volunteer and just give your input into different things if you want to help you know especially for people who are directly affected by the things that I've spoken about we you know because I have CF I think that places me really well within just treatment to talk about issues like this because I've lived it so people with that experience it's great like to hear their stories and their experience and so yeah that's but get involved with any organizational campaign doing great things right like there are so many so if you can just get involved in whatever thing that you're passionate about and that can help people like that's amazing I will be 100% signing any petition donating like I think it's so important as you said to just take action and help in whichever way we can um and thank you for sharing everything you said honestly you've been so wonderful um but I have a final question which you're not exempt from 
which is what impression would you like to leave on the world that's such a big question wow I feel like that's the kind of question that like celebrities get asked and they can you know (laughs) have really like great answers because loads of people know them I think I think it's like a difficult concept for me because I think when you leave an impression maybe sometimes people like look up to that and I don't really like the idea of looking up to people I mean obviously like you can look to people for like inspirational think they've done great things but I don't know putting people on pedestals I always think mm. that's like very problematic for kind of both parties involved um so I guess if I could leave an impression it would just be to maybe help people feel motivated to fight for the things that are right and to support communities in like whatever context that they feel they can help and especially if you have personal experience and are able to and in in a place especially mentally where you feel able to talk about it that you can so that other people don't feel alone because those stories are very powerful and hard-hitting and they really resonate with people and so I think they're really important but obviously even if you don't have those stories like helping in any way you can because it's so easy to sort of sit back and think something's really awful and do nothing and obviously you can't fight for every single thing in the world you can't make you can't change everything but the things within your reach the things that you can that Mm. would be great if you could because advocacy and campaigning and standing up for what's right can literally save lives exactly and it was kind of a full circle moment um to the beginning of the episode because like you watch those vlogs of people when you were younger your blog and your writing could be doing that you know for so many people and you've made an impression on them and you've you know shaped their life in some way as well yeah I mean I I think it would be nice to know that like other people who may feel lost or not sure how they can help or feel very overwhelmed with different things they're going through or struggling with CF that they can feel like they're not alone that they are worth something and that they are valuable and that it's okay to just be normal and average and you don't have to be any of these different things that society tells you you should be to be a good disabled person you can just be yourself I think that's an incredible note to end on. Um, Izzy, if anyone wants to reach out, where can they find you? Are you happy sharing your socials? Yeah, sure. So on Twitter, it's just iJohnnyFriend and then Insta's IsabelJohnnyFriend. And then I guess my portfolio or my website is IsabelJohnnyFriend.com. So, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so, so much for speaking to me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much again to Isabel for speaking to me this week. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at ImpressionablePod. So that's just the word Impressionable, P-O-D on the end. And as I mentioned, please rate us five stars, share it with your friends, share it on your socials if you'd like. But yeah, thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Bye.